Hey, 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 closet busters and bold move makers. It is time once again for Life Uncloset. So I want you to gather around because it is time once again to kick down those closet doors of your life. We're here to escape our BS, explore our fears, and elevate our self-expression. I'm your host, Rick Clemens. I'm the bold move expert and that coming out guy who's going to take you to the party, the pulpit, the wake, and back to the party of living your life uncloset. So come on along with me and grab hold of yourself and get ready to step out, step up, and step into facing your fears, making your bold moves, and living life without apologies. Now let's get to the show. It's all out there. It's all beyond the level of the earth. In fact, all the BS and everything that we go through, sometimes it's really out there because, hey, we can be whoever we want to be. We can show up however we want to show up. And sometimes how we show up may not be the way that we came into this lovely little planet we call Earth. Sound familiar? Does that feel like something you feel like? Like sometimes you just don't fit? Well, today's guest on Life Uncloseted, she's going to show you just how many different ways she didn't quite fit into the planet. And I'm so excited to have her on the podcast as we kick into the new year, because I felt like this inspiration to like be who you are, to show up on the planet the way you're meant to be, and to break through all barriers, even if some of those might be like the sound barriers and out into space, it just might inspire you to realize you can live your life uncloseted. And with that, I'm going to welcome our guest. Her name is Bree Fram. She's a lieutenant colonel in the U.S. Space Force. And I'm not going to tell you much more because that would ruin the whole freaking podcast. So um, I will say this. She's from Washington, D.C. area. And we were just talking before we got on to um, air this that it's cold, it's snowy, and she's got kids underfoot today. So um, welcome to parenthood in the days of winter and COVID and all that stuff. But um Bree, welcome to the podcast. So excited to have you here. Well, Rick, thank you so much for having me. I really look forward to the conversation and to getting to all those things you teased in that open. Oh, yes. And, and you know, see, I tease like we're going to have a conversation, but it's all yours now. I just shut the fuck up and you just take over. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, you know, I have my 45-minute monologue just ready to go. So I, I'm I'll sure you do. You've it. been doing this for a long time. So, yeah, here you are, Lieutenant Colonel, U.S. Space Force, but that's just kind of one piece of who you are. There's a whole other piece of who Brie is. So let's yeah, absolutely. start exploring that. <laughs> so, you know, wh- why am I here? You know, what's the piece of my identity that puts me on this show? And yeah. while I like to think that I have six or seven different identities that come first, you know, I'm, as you mentioned, I'm a guardian in the space force. I'm a parent, I'm a spouse. I'm a hiker, a skier, a huge nerd, uh, but I just happen to be trans as well. Uh, And I'm one of the senior ranking transgender officers within the United States military and have just written a book about it and the experiences of other trans folks in the military. So that's kind of the unique thing about me and the challenges that I've personally faced, but that so many others have to be their authentic space in an area where we haven't traditionally been accepted um, and the pendulum has swung dramatically back and forth over the past five years about, can we be ourselves? Right. And that's one of the biggest challenges I think for any of us on planet earth is, can we truly be ourselves? But yet when ourselves is not something that we see when we look in the mirror, it becomes a whole different ball game. 
and I've worked with numerous people in my years on stages and <clears throat> speaking on panels, you know, friends of mine who are in the transgender space. And they're like, yeah, this is really a struggle until it's not until we're finally like, okay, this is who I am. This is my truth. This is how I live. And I know there wasn't like a magic wand when you finally just said, okay, poof, this, <laughs> this is it. This is who I am. There was a lot that brought you to this space. And what were some of those biggest challenges for you to finally just say, hey, this is me. This is how I'm going to show up. Yeah, one of the things I, I always like to talk about is how every trans journey is different. There is no one way to be trans. And oh, come on. We all have the same experience. <laughs> if, if we're gay, it's the same thing. If we're lesbian, it's all the same. We, in fact, we all know each other. You know, this is the big misnomer, right? Absolutely. You know, there's only 20 million LGBT folks in the United States. Well, at least. So clearly we have to know everyone because well, at I, least those who at least will say this is who I am. That's yeah. probably a whole nother, <laughs> a whole nother 20 million on top of that. Exactly. Like, I'm not letting anybody know this is who I am. But well, anyway. so maybe we're at least the six degrees apart, but yeah, exactly. With, with there being no one way to be trans, and the book gives you know a very good set of examples of no one way to be trans in the military with 28 different stories. You know, for me, the the way I experienced it, it wasn't about everything about me being wrong, but being trans and reaching for authenticity was really about reaching for my full potential. And it was when I came to that point where, though I know I had been trans all my life, when I got to that point where I would have been deliberately stunting my growth as a human and as a leader by not transitioning, uh, that was, you know, the kind of the defining moment, that introspection that said, this is me. This is who I am. I can be more. I can be more myself. I can be better uh, by being fully authentic um, in my presentation of, of my inner self to the external world. And I love that the name of the book is called With Honor and Integrity, because as soon as I saw that, I'm like, this is what being who we are in the world is all about. We all do it, hopefully, with honor and integrity. But as LGBTQ individuals, it's fucking hard at times because people are like, nope, you can't be that. Nope. And then it's really hard to not fight back and bite back. And one of the things that I have often coached my individuals that I work with who are typically men late in life coming out of the closet is I want to help you do this with dignity and respect, not only for yourself, but for everyone else. Because if you don't, you're going to kind of screw yourself. And I think it's the same thing with the honor and integrity. The more honor and integrity we do this, that doesn't mean give people hall passes to walk all over us. Nope, that isn't what I'm getting at. But I think there's so much to be learned. Like when we walk through those doorways, and I'm going to be the first to admit, I did not do this well many, 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 many times. But when we walk through those doors with honor, integrity, dignity, and respect, like say, hey, this is just who I am. You may not agree. You may not get me. But I'm going to do my best to take, you know, to take the high road when they go low, you know, and it's got to have been really challenging at times for you to stay in that space, just given, given a certain like four years that we've just gone through that's like, nope, you're not even recognized at this point. But um, give me a little bit of that insight, like the tough parts of this journey. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. The military really preaches that, you know, dignity and respect for all. Uh, but for me, I see that as the floor of where we mm-hmm. need to be. 
Whereas too many people, I think, talk about it as an aspirational goal. Like someday we'll be able to treat everyone with dignity and respect. No, we can do better. We can get to that point where everyone is included, valued for who they are, for the unique perspectives that they bring to their table by being their authentic selves. And then how do we as a collective meld all those perspectives into better solutions, better outcomes for all of us. So to me, it's about getting past that dignity and respect and going even further to, mm -hmm. to true inclusion. But as you mentioned, you know, how do you do that in a world where for those of us in the military that happen to be trans, you had your commander in chief tweeting that you're a burden on the military that cannot be allowed in any way. How do you operate through that time frame with that psychological burden hanging yeah. over you that you're the problem, according to the president of the United States? Um, and if anything else, I think that speaks to the amazing resiliency of our service members who survived that time period and have come out to this point still passionate about serving the country and the ideals that they care so much about. And I love that you bring this in as this is the floor, because we see this all the time. At least I know I see this all the time in our community. I'm sure you do too. It's like, oh, let's, let's, oh yes, diversity inclusion. Yes, we're going to have that meeting. We're going to do that this year. We're going to, we're going to start the year off with a really raw, raw, we're going to be more diverse and inclusive. And then we'll do it again next year. Once a year, we'll do this. And that fixes it once and done. This is not a once and done. And the dignity and respect is not a once and done, nor is the honor and integrity. It's like, this is a daily practice. This is a daily awareness. This is all of us, even if we don't like the commander in chief, there's a, a decency that I believe is what is prevalent that runs through this pulse of us as human beings. And that's all we're asking for is to realize the decency that we respect because we live and breathe on the same planet as the rest of you. But that's not easy in the trans world. No, it, it certainly isn't. Um, and what you were kind of talking about is something I like to refer to as, you know, you come into an organization, you look around and the diversity of the organization, whether there or not, is just a fact. But the yes. inclusion is an act. It's something we all have to do. And whether we're members of the, the LGBT community or not, you know, we all have those, those biases that we may have and that we have to fight against to learn about, keep learning so that we can have those inclusive acts all throughout our career and make sure we're aware of it uh, and what we need to do to bring others in to get those outcomes we're all looking for. But that's part of the challenge is bringing others in. And I know I used to fight this a huge, I mean, just my own family experience. And then finally, I'm like, okay, fine. If you, if you don't want to be in here and want to play in my world and have me part of your world, I'd fine, bye, see ya, <laughs> done. Yet that didn't align with who I was as a person, you know? But then I learned the value of, I don't have to have everybody 100% in my world and I get to choose when I let them in my world. That was a big awareness for me. Like, okay, now I realize as someone very high up in the military, you can't kind of like, okay, I can only pick and choose and you only get to be in my world. But there is probably an element to that of in your own head, how you allow them into the world of your being without freaking out and going, okay, I'm going to just go off on you because there's a certain level of decorum that, you know, we kind of have to hold, but I don't want to ever give up that decorum. 
the risk of my own sanity. And I'm yeah. sure this is something you come across all the time. There are certainly, you know, rules that constrain my behavior as, as a member of the military that, that wears the uniform. Uh, but when we talk about, you know, what is what constrains me or what constrains any individual as a leader in terms of what we're just talking about to bring others in, make sure we get those outcomes. A lot of that is simply how you present yourself and a undervalued leadership trait that I believe, particularly in the military, is vulnerability. And coming out as trans, coming out as lesbian, gay, bisexual, or, or anything else where is an act of vulnerability in a way that shows others some of your humanity and maybe lets them in, lets them see you as human uh, who has their own struggles. And if you're seen as someone who has been through some difficult things, has come through it, as someone who might be approachable about those things, other people might be willing to bring them to you. And that's something that I found in my journey when I transitioned. Um, it's something that others have found. I like to talk about the experiences of Major Olivia Stellick, who's a physical therapist in the army. And she said when she transitioned, people would just talk with her about things they never had before. And it made yep. her a better doctor. It gave her insight into other things that might be bothering this person that enabled her to return them to the battlefield faster. Yep. So sharing that authenticity, that vulnerability lets others in to your journey in a way that enables you to help them. Uh, and I think that's really powerful about our coming out and our vulnerable experiences. I love that thought. And as you were talking through that, I'm like, well, wait, but if you're in the military, you're kind of vulnerable to begin with, you know, kind of where you're headed, but yet there's all sorts of places that we go to work that somebody's going to go, well, but the man, they're really vulnerable. They do these crazy things that I would never do. One of the things that I take pride in the most as a member of the LGBTQ community is that piece right there, that my vulnerability has taught me so much. It's taught me about patience. It's taught me about acceptance. It's taught me about perseverance and all those things, resilience, all that sort of stuff. But one thing it taught me as a man is how so many men, not gay men alone, so many men are afraid to be vulnerable because it's just too scary. And I'm glad you brought that up, Bree, because I do believe it's interesting because I work with a lot of people in leadership stuff, leaders who are afraid to be vulnerable aka somebody who was just in <clears throat> in the white house you can see what happens when they are afraid to be vulnerable they cannot function well in the world because it's all about them it's all about you do this because i say this is what i because this is who i am and this is where i stand and and i've worked with so many leaders it's like okay but what if you allowed yourself what if you allowed yourself to fuck up what if you allowed yourself to say to a team member i don't know i don't have the answer and I think that's the thing that we as individuals of our own community, we've had to say all those things and it made us better people. Yeah, I think it's a really powerful tool in not only helping others because they see you as someone that they can connect with, but in getting to better outcomes. Because if you present that I'm perfect, don't question me attitude, we have to admit that none of us are perfect. None of us have better ideas than all of us. But if you're presenting that, you're not going to get those perspectives from others that may be better. Um, I had a retired four-star admiral 
uh, talking to, to a group in class and he talked about, well, in the heat of battle, that's when I just shut down and I start barking orders um, and we're just going to make this stuff happen. And I say, sir, isn't that exactly the wrong time to shut everyone out? Because your officers around you, your NCOs that may have a perspective you don't, that see something that you don't, that is the critical piece of information, if you're shutting them out then, you may make the wrong call and exactly. ruin it for everyone. Uh, so it's having that vulnerability, having that knowledge that I'm not perfect um, and that we can get to better solutions, better outcomes. Uh, boy, that's that's a powerful thing. Um, and for me, yeah, it was, it was a freeing to get there. Even though I always thought I presented that image, I apparently didn't. I was told, mm. you know, you're just Captain America. You do everything perfect and, and this and that. And like, no, I, I want those, those things. But apparently I didn't project that for a big mm. part of my career. But it's interesting that you brought that story up about him shutting down and going, this is just the way we're going to do this. Because what I have learned over and over again throughout my own personal journey of coming out, which you never stop, but also as I help people through this journey, is that when we shut down in the journey, which we want to, there's times of like, okay, screw it. I'm just going to, I'm not going to talk about being gay or trans or whatever. I'm just, when we shut down, we really can't move forward because we're not getting the input. We're not getting the support. We're not letting ourselves think beyond, okay, but what else is possible? Maybe in this particular situation, I feel like I got to shut down. Okay. But what's another Avenue? What's another way to go? And I think it, leans back into that resilience that shutting down does not breed resilience shutting down like literally stops you in your tracks and i know you know god bless all those who have gone before us and continue and especially in the trans world who suffer through this on a daily basis and some of them take the path where either they say i can't do this anymore or they get taken out of this world because of just who they are as a human yeah, shutting down may be the thing like, okay, I'm just going to shut the fuck up and nobody's going to know about this, but it doesn't help you. It doesn't help at all. It gives may give you a little perspective, but I don't feel like it really helps you. And I hope through these kind of conversations, we continue to help people see open up. So as you started to like realize, okay, I'm, I'm moving forward. This is me. I'm going to do this. In those moments where you may have felt like shutting down, what was some of the tactics you used to help yourself move forward besides writing an amazing book? <laughs> well, this is applicable to a whole lot of context in, in our experiences, I believe. But I think about it as when we have to dedicate that mental energy to protecting our identities, or, or I think that kind of goes along with your, yep. your talk of shutting down. When I'm spending so much putting this filter in my brain that has to sit in between my thoughts and either the words or the actions uh, that I'm performing, you know, that's energy that I could otherwise be dedicating to what I really want to accomplish. Uh, but if I'm thinking, Ooh, I can't say where I was this weekend or who I was out with. Um, and I have to slow myself down. I'm limiting not only my potential, but also my ability to connect with the world. So I try and focus on just what you're talking about. It's, it's never about shutting down. It's about doing what I can to let others in. And when I'm struggling to reach out, 
not to reach inward. Um, certainly that doesn't mean that there aren't times of introspection, uh, right. but that's something we all need to do, you know, look inside ourselves to figure out who we really are, to reflect on our experience and what we could have learned from that and applied in the future. Uh, but my nature has always been collaborative. Um, mm -hmm. It's one of the great things, again, we go to the book, it's not my book, it's a collaboration. Uh, I'm one of the co-editors on the book. And then we have all these contributors. So it's it's this collective story that shows how all of us can be better together. And speaking of the collaboration, as you started to put this book together, and this is an interesting piece because I, I literally just finished writing book number two. And again, it's all me, but yet it's not all me. It's a collaboration of many things I've observed through all my years in coaching and my life and everything. But as you collaborated on this and you realize these are other people's stories as well as my own, what's the thing you most wanted the book to do? I know that's a big question because there's lots of things we want these books <laughs> to do. But like when you really sit back and go, okay, we did this, what would you like the book to do most in the world at this stage? So what I most want the book to do is just reveal the humanity of the individuals whose stories we've had the honor of sharing. Uh, because that leads to all the other things that we'd love to accomplish. You know, if we showed someone that, hey, this trans person isn't the boogeyman, they joined the right. military for the same reason I did, or they served in the same area that I did, or they're protecting my freedom for all the same reasons as anyone else, Awesome, because then we can get to those other conversations that we want to have about, well, maybe we shouldn't be putting laws in place that discriminate against these people. Maybe we shouldn't have a situation where a future administration can flip the switch back and say, no, trans people can't serve again. I want us to get to that point where it would be just as unconscionable to not have trans people serving in the military and in throughout society as large, wherever they choose to be, as it would be to think of a military without African-Americans or without women. Um, and trans people face the same arguments against their service that those groups faced when they were incorporated. So yeah. we need to put all that to bed. And I hope these stories are the starting point. Well, and we need to put all that to bed because there's going to be somebody else that comes along. I know we're all like, okay, is there any other marginalized community that people could say, no, you don't have a right to this, but there's going to be somebody down, down in history that's still yet to come. And I don't care what it is. I mean, we're kind of hearing rumblings right now in all the wrong ways that, oh, it's all against the Christians. No, it's not. It is. You are not a marginalized community. I'm sorry. If you would just live like you're supposed to and be the way, you know, that quote unquote, you know, Jesus said to do, you wouldn't be feeling this way. But I do believe we have yet to see, we haven't seen the end of what's, who's the next marginalized community, whether it's within our own LGBTQ space or whether it's people of color, wherever it is, somebody else going to come along. And these stories, as you said, first, you know, the people of color, and then, you know, you know, the don't ask, don't tell sort of stuff. This just continues to lay the groundwork of us as a humanity, in my mind, being resilient to keep moving forward and saying, we all have a right at the table. Every Absolutely. one of us. Yeah, yeah it's, it's been interesting when you look at that journey, we've sort of been on a path of incorporating smaller and smaller groups. Yet the arguments mm -hmm. have, have always been the same. They've been re recycled, proven false over and over again. But 
who is it going to be next? Is it going to be non-binary individuals, intersex people? Uh, how do we make sure or do our best at least to make, to say, you don't have to go through this nonsense that all these previous groups have gone through. How do we set the table so that it's just an easy journey for them or even for those of us in our own shoes who come later to go further? Um, and so often those of us in the military are, who are, happen to be trans now are, are called trailblazers because you know we're the first group to go through this. And I love that idea, that concept of being a trailblazer because you're not recognized necessarily for what you've done, but you're recognized for the fact that you've built this path where whoever comes behind you has it easier, much easier to get to where you've gone and then to go further because you've set the stage for that to happen. So that's a, a moniker that I would gladly accept, not for me, but for those that follow. Well, and even most recently, um, Amy Schneider, who has become the Jeopardy champion, and then, you know, suddenly it all starts. Here we go. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, folks, but she just is a female who won this. You know, she's just one of the top performers. Just accept it. It's just who she is. Now, you can go get hung up. And I know this is, and I'm preaching to the choir here. You can go get hung up. That, oh, but that's not who she was born as. I don't give a shit. That's who she is. Yet when we allow that other piece of our lovely little human brains to go, but wait, I can't handle this. I can't think through this. That's what this is all about. It has nothing to do with you or I and how we choose to show up in the world, which isn't really how we choose. It's like we are showing up in the world as ourselves. But when I started to see all the negativity starting to show up because, oh, they're saying she's the first female, da-da-da-da-da, I'm like, well, she is. <laughs> so get over it, you know? And that's when I feel like there's so much work yet to be done. I yeah. get it that people can't wrap their head around this stuff. But that's on them. It's not on us. That's on them. I, I see that. I understand it. And, and I agree completely. But I take hope in the fact that, oh, my God, there are all these news headlines out there that just say she is yes. the first or the highest winning woman. And that's it. End of story. Right. Uh, and that we have got to the point where she can be on the show. She can be amazing. Right. She can be represented exactly. for who she is instead of having article after article, dead naming, using wrong pronouns. We've right. really moved a long way. Uh, we doesn't mean we don't have a lot further to go, but we're getting there. And I love seeing that kind of representation on the national stage. So here's a question that I know a lot of people would want to ask you, and, and I don't you like to ask the questions that I think, oh, it's already been asked, but I think it's very prevalent. Do you feel in your role that you get treated completely differently because of who you are, air quotes, folks, you can't see me doing this on camera, than your counterparts in the military? That's a really tough question to answer because you can never be sure. Um, mm. Am I being treated this way because of who I am? am in a way, yeah, as you say, air quotes, yeah. that I ha just happened to be trans, or is it because of something I said, something I did, mm -hmm. my record of performance? Um, and I'd like to believe so far that it's all the latter. It's all the, you know, what's my track record? 
Um, am I being offered this opportunity, this position uh, because of what I've done? I sure hope so. Um, mm -hmm. But if it has been that I've been treated differently for who I am as a trans person, it's all been positive to the best of my knowledge. I have been so incredibly lucky with the people I've had the honor to lead, to work with, and to work for. Um, my superiors have been absolutely amazing um, in recognizing me for who I am, supporting me on my journey, and helping me reach that potential uh, that I believe I have. And such a, the reason I asked that question is because I've been asked that question myself. Do you feel like you get treated differently, Rick, because of, you know, you've got these podcasts and you're very open about who you are. You know, I happen to work in a company um, that I'm the only LGBTQ person in the group, small company, but I know that's not why I'm there. I'm there because of what I've done for the company. I'm there because of what I love to do. And even just the thought of thinking, okay, am I here just because of that piece of being gay? It gets my blood kind of boiling at times because that should not be the case. No longer should it be the case of, oh, here's the one black person in our company or here's the one Asian person, you know? Those kind of conversations to me, it's time for those to be done, done, done. You show up, you be who you are because of who you are and what you do and how you contribute and how you bring your impact into the world. And yet, that's not always the way it's seen. You know, oh, let's hire the one token person. Okay, we, it's kind of like, okay, let's have the one diversity inclusion, you know, gathering a year and we've done our, what we're supposed to do. I think that's where the work really, you know, is still where we're going. There's so much yet to do and so much yet to embrace. So as a parent, how do you feel like you're having the best influence on your own children, given your journey? Oh, that's a, that's a great question. And I think it's been a huge part of, you know, showing authenticity, living your, your best life in terms of, of who you can be. Uh, but it was something we had to talk to the kids about early on um, because we couldn't have that hypocritical aspect of, mm -hmm. well, you know, do as I say, not as I do, uh, that type of thing. Be honest with us, but well, we might not be with you. Um, right. But I think it's opened up um, some great connection uh, with mm -hmm. my kids. Uh, they are going out into the world with a much different worldview uh, than I would have had at, at their age. Um, it was amazing as, as I transitioned, uh, they became the pronoun police for one another. Mm -hmm. And anytime mm -hmm. one would would screw up, um, and they, they remind you that it was old police sirens and just go woo 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 and correct the pronoun <laughs> other one, uh, and it was it was fabulous. So uh, I think it's been an important part of of my parenting journey, though throughout all of it, you know, all that really mattered was telling the kids that we loved them, uh, that I loved them, and it didn't change anything. This just allowed me to be who I was. Uh, to be the person I needed to be and to tell them that's exactly what I hope for you. Um, mm -hmm. You need to be who you are uh, and, and live your best life. So I think it's been a, a parenting gem uh, for me. It is a parenting gem. And when I'm working with someone who has children and is about to come out of the closet, this is always one of their big concerns. I don't know how my kids are going to react. And I, I can't guarantee them. 
don't know. There's lots of moving pieces in that puzzle. It could be a spouse is like, nope, you're the devil. And now I'm going to, you know, or it can be very embracing. But one of the things I encourage them to remember is how the kids react is how you react and how you openly share or don't openly share. And I'm a big proponent of meet your kids right where they are. You know, my kids were very, very young when this all happened for them. My oldest was four and a half. My youngest was nine months old. But as their awareness became more and more, we'd have more and more open conversations. And like you said, Bree, I feel really proud that my girls are out there in the world and they they have a very open mind. They're very welcoming and loving and caring. They do not take anybody's crap for who they want to be in the world. Sometimes even though dad's like, I'd rather you be there, <laughs> you know, it's like, wait, uh, don't be that a hypocrite. Don't, don't go there. Um, but you can't help it as a parent sometimes like, well, that's not exactly what I was hoping you'd do, but okay. Uh, but I do believe it opens up that beautiful doorway to like, oh, wow, here's just another layer of me giving myself to my children. And hopefully, you know, people talk a lot about legacy. I've never been a big one to focus on that. But if I was going to say anything that I'd love to be remembered for is that I help my kids see life through an even better lens of what it means to be a really good person in the world. Yeah, I couldn't agree more to give them the opportunities, not just that I've been given, but that perspective uh, to see more, to be more, uh, and Mm -hmm. just to have those opportunities from, from an early age to be who they are, uh, to, to do crazy things like my oldest coming out as straight, you know, to <laughs> that experience uh, in, in a household where like, oh, I like boys, like, oh, okay, great, straighty. Uh, yeah, know? yeah, exactly. And give her, give her the good natured teasing of, of coming out as straight. But uh, isn't so- that amazing that you could have those kind of fun moments and, and, and think of how much beautiful awareness and impact that has like yes you can come out as straight cool now some people go no they don't get to do that have fun with it you know it's just another piece of them embracing who they are you know absolutely and i think sometimes we get so serious about this stuff and i'm like can we just have some fun every once in a while you know and yes i know that transitioning everything is a very deep felt serious journey but I always love it when I have a guest like you, that's like, we can have fun talking about this and showing there's, here's the other side of this whole thing. Is it going to be easy? Nobody's going to say it is. I, even in the best of circumstances, there's still just a lot of personal journey stuff that happens, but give yourself the opportunity to be fun with who you are too, and to really love it. Oh, I, again, couldn't agree more. You know, there's so much talk of trans trauma or, or other trauma, but Where's the euphoria? Where's the joy? Where's the laughter? Those are the things that I love to focus on uh, because it's so important, you know, as individuals, just to to recharge with that joy and those shared amazing moments. Um, but it's so important in the world of connection too, with your kids, with others around you. Just have was, to laugh a little. I was. I don't even remember. It's been a while back. I was interviewing somebody, and he happened to be a heterosexual guy. And I'm trying to. Oh. He was one of my health and wellness coaches. And we were talking about, you know, the health and wellness of coming through whatever the closet door is that, you know, you're coming through, whether that be cancer or coming out or trans or what we covered, like a lot of like, Hey, there's always these closets and taking care of yourself is really important. 
And I said something like, well, we all experience trauma. And he's like, yeah, yeah, kind of. I said, oh, come on. He was a bald guy like me, right? And I said, come on, admit it. You went through trauma when you realized you were going to be bald. And he goes, how did you know that? <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I just made an assumption. I don't know. I didn't go through trauma because I'm bald. I, I like, hey, I know this is going to happen. And I love being bald and everything. But it was such a great way to like, see, even the thing that you don't think somebody would have trauma around can be really a trauma in their own world. And this is where I feel like the intersection of humanity can happen. The more I can make the intersection of my gay experience intersect with somebody else's real life experience and whatever that is that they're coming out, that's where we can meet. That's where we can have commonality. And I feel like that's what you're doing with sharing this beautiful book. Again, folks, it's with honor and integrity. Um, I feel like this is where it's like, wait, <laughs> This kind of dynamic, this like what we believe the military to be, hey, we're just, Bree's just breaking the mold here. Even though we like know it, it's been talked about, unfortunately, not in a good way the last four years. Um, well, let's let, let's say last four years prior to 2021, at least Biden's like, like, hey, we're going to we're going to reinstate some humanity here. But um, so one last question before we wrap up, what are you most proud of about the book at this stage? I think I'm proudest of just these stories being out there. And I'm proudest of our contributors for having had the courage to share their stories in these forms and to show the breadth of trans experience in the military from the funny to the sad, to the poignant, to the moving, uh, just to understand how different they all are, how unique they all are. And again, how resilient they all are um, in their dedication and commitment to service for this country. So couldn't be prouder uh, than anything other than our contributors being who they are and, and shining a light um, all over the place. As you were saying that, it made me think of, you know, there's bravery in and of itself of being in the military and going forward and protecting our country. But the level of bravery that you just brought up is a whole nother level. Because there's a lot they put on the line by having their stories told. And this is why I love having beautiful, wonderful people like you on this podcast. Because for us to tell these stories, it's not the easiest thing. I, I'm sure I'm sure I'll get some hate mail once again, because I always do, you know, almost every episode when this stuff. And I'm like, the more hate mail I get, the more I realize that's on them. It's not on me. And hey, we at least got somebody riled up enough to like, okay, the more we rile up, the more we improve who the world is and how we show up in the world. So, um, and where can people find the book, Bree, just so we can like, and we'll have all this on the website, but sometimes I like to just hear it like said. So, because you know, some people are like, I just got to hear it. I'm not going to read it, but um, where could they find the book? Yeah, please uh, check out your, your local bookstore, uh, ask for it, uh, but you can find it anywhere books are sold online, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, uh, but hopefully you're, you're, you can support a local retailer uh, in, in their mission and find the yeah, book. Absolutely. And what I always like to do when I have a fellow author on the podcast is whoever would like a copy of Bree's book, I'm going to pay for a copy of the book to be sent to you. So email me at rick at rickclemens.com if you would love to get a copy of Bree's book and I will make sure that it gets sent to you. And um, because I want to spread the love, I want to spread the voice, I want to spread the encouragement and the wisdom. And um, that's my gift back to the community. And I would love to see more people get the book in their hands. So um, 
All right. I'm going to let you get back to your kids because I know snow days are hell days. So, <laughs> well, it's been fantastic. They've at least gone out and tried to build a snowman and throw some uh-huh. snowballs. So yeah, uh, yeah. thank you. It's been a pleasure to be here, Rick. Um, it was an honor to be on. Well, thank you for doing what you do and continuing to bear that that flag of honor to be who you are in the world, especially in the military. I know it hasn't been easy. And hopefully somebody will hear this and go, okay, this is, it is worth, it's worth me being vulnerable. It's worth my resilience. It's worth me going out there and saying, I'm going to continue to be who I am in the world as I am, whoever I am in my transgender life or my LGBTQ space or whoever you are in the world. So thanks again, Bree. I so appreciate it. And um, hey, let us know when you write another book. We'd love to have you back on. Already working on it. Hey, 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 Life Uncloseted family. Another episode of Life Uncloseted has come to an end and it is time for all of us to sashay away and go face our fears, make those bold moves and stand up to living our life without apology. But before you do, I've got a favor to ask of you. Would you hop over to iTunes or Spotify or Podbean or wherever it is that you're listening to this and just give us a little bit of love if you like what we're doing here at Life Uncloseted. Here's what it does. It helps other people find the show. It helps other people get to know what we're all about. And you just might help change life. In fact, if you really want to change a life, we'd love it if you just ask a friend to take a listen and see what they think. So that's it. Love you all deeply. I'm Rick Clemens, the host of Life Uncloseted. And never stop stepping out, stepping up, and stepping in to living your life uncloseted.